Now, some people like to stay in the good old days. They like to kind of go back in life like, dude, my life just has never been the same. Since that one thing happened, it's just been awful. But here, Jesus is pointing to it like a good thing. He's like, hey, remember where you fell from. Because remembering from that initial spot was a good place. Hey, welcome to the very first episode of the Night Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Philip, your host, and I am so stoked that you're here. We are on the campus of Loma Linda University, a little place nestled an hour east of LA. Great spot for the heat, orange groves, and the Loma Linda University Church. Well, this is a podcast all about how you can grow deeper in your faith and understanding the Bible and what it has for you in today's world. We're going to be starting off this very first season with a series in the book of Revelation. And so you're catching the very first episode and the very first sermon on this series. I'm going to be talking to you today about the book of Revelation in general and then focusing on just one of the very first churches out of seven churches in the very first section of Revelation. And this is about a church that seemed ideal in every way, but had so much messed up. I don't know how many of you feel like in life, it seems as though on the outside, you're trying to put things across to people that, hey, I've got everything together, but inside, you're confused about direction. You don't know what God's will is for your life. You still are figuring out how to do life as a young adult. Life seems so much more complex inside. And as it was said to me so many years ago, you know, the battlefield really is in the mind. And so how do we get right with God and get right with the world again? Well, this very first church, Ephesus, has a lot to say about that. So I'm so glad that you're joining us for this series and for what's to come. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, share this with a friend, and be blessed. So see you on the other side. Have you ever met someone who you just thought was going to be the ideal boyfriend or girlfriend? I mean, this person on the outside looked so good. On paper, on their social media, their IG just screamed, whoa, this person's got it all together. I mean, you're flipping through their pictures and you're like, they are so amazing. They look good. They seem to be doing like amazing things in their life. Uh, They've got a great job. I am just so jealous and I would love to be with this person. And then you happen to meet them in person and they start talking and you're like, oh, wait a second. This just doesn't seem like the person that I knew by when I was looking at them on social media. Actually, this person seems like a very disinterested, boring human being. Like, I'm confused here. Everything they're portraying to the world on their social media and what I seem to see from them is one thing, but man, encountering them is so different. Well, I happened to meet someone just like that back when I was uh, kind of in the dating world. I've been married now 12 
years going on this summer. So I'm pretty far removed from that. But I remember this one girl that I was kind of stalking at a distance. And this was when MySpace was going around. Now, I know that for some of you are like, MySpace? What in the world is MySpace? Well, before there was uh, Instagram and Facebook, there was MySpace. Anyways, she looked great. I saw her kind of from a distance and that was kind of an acquaintance. And then I don't know what it was within me, but she was my first girlfriend and we just started dating kind of quick. And then I got to know her and I was like, oh, what was I thinking? This girl is nothing like what she was showing me kind of at a distance. This is not right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the church of Ephesus for you. Here we are in the book of Revelation. Uh, the church of Ephesus was a church that was on the outside, had everything going for it. If you know anything about modern day Turkey and the ancient city of Ephesus, I mean, this was a wealthy, beautiful city. It is the most excavated ancient city in the entire world. It's enormous. They have multiple temples everywhere. Um, it's huge and it's beautiful, lavish, rich. And the church of Ephesus, the Christian church that was there, was one of those that was like this perfect Instagrammable church. Some churches, sometimes you kind of go scrolling and you'll find the church. You're like, wow, this church is huge. They must be mega. And then you visit the church website and it's like, yeah, we have a small thing here and there. But everything they're selling you is big, beautiful, on, on the best way possible. Well, this is the problem. Ephesus in every way was screaming, we've got it all together. And then Jesus tells them something. All right, let's jump in the text. Let's see why this is so important. Because for you and me, this is the thing, getting right getting really right, making sure you're not living a double life is so important. Just recently, I was talking with a young adult who was really struggling with some sexual addictions, like big ones, and in such a way that it was affecting his grades, his performance at school, every single way. And if his girlfriend knew what he was doing, he told me this, she would be really disappointed, so much so that I don't think they'd be going out anymore. He was living a double life. You know, you can't do that in life. If you really want to be authentic with people around you and your walk with God, you want to live the same life, how you show it to people on Instagram and how you live it in day to day. You want to be true to who you are, always, in all places, and every time. When you live that double life, it's really tough for people to know who you really are. Because you're deep down inside hiding um, the truth about things in life. Now, okay, this guy was coming to me and we were talking about a struggle that he had. And that was an appropriate place to do that. And that's the thing with sin. Uh, you want to be able to have those kind of safe people that you can talk to about those struggles and find a way to bring order back into your life. Well, let's see if the Church of Ephesus can kind of help us with this. How can we get right with God in others again? But before I tell you any further, I want to just tell you a little bit about the book of Revelation. It's written in three parts. 
chapters one through three has a first century focus. It's all about the first century. It's about real churches in a real place in modern day Turkey, but ancient Middle East. And so these were seven churches that this letter written by the Apostle John, this was not the last book ever written, even though it's the last book in the Bible. It was written some decades before John died, and the last book that he ever wrote was the Gospel of John, actually, which is the fourth book about the life of Jesus in the New Testament. But the revelation of Jesus Christ by John is kind of the title of this, because the book of Revelation is all about Jesus, actually. In my Bible, the very first two chapters, three chapters, have read all over. It's Jesus speaking to these three churches. So the very first three chapters, first century focus, but it can be applied to Christian history technically as well. Then you jump to chapters 4 through 11, and it's all about the church throughout history, from the first century all the way to kind of the end of the world, really. And then chapters 12 through 22 is about the bigger theme of the very end of the world, really, and kind of how it's going to work. But it's through these complex symbols. So you'll kind of capture a little bit more of that as we go throughout this series. But just so you know, kind of from a big 30,000 perspective, as if you're in an airplane, that's what's happening. We're reading right in the very first part in the first century focus. And we're going to kind of learn what this meant for them so that we can then learn what it means for us today. So, let's jump into the text, verse 1 of chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and who walks among the golden lampstands. Boom. This very first thing is really important. Uh, stars were in reference to angels. Kind of uh, these, these angels that were speaking and kind of interacting with each of these churches. There was just a blessing knowing like, wow, God's people aren't left alone. And not only that, but it's like, who walks among the seven golden lampstands? If you go back to chapter uh, 1, verse 12, you learn that I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of them, there was a man who was the son of man, clothed in righteousness. Boom, you can continue going through this and you find out, oh, the lampstands are churches. And then you kind of go to the very end of chapter one, you learn the seven stars are angels of the seven churches. Oh, wow. And Jesus is walking among them. So God's always with his people. He's never going to leave you alone. You're trying to figure out your life and you think, man, I'm in this by myself. I'm all alone trying to figure out my life. No, no, actually you're not. I love that poem, um, The Footsteps. And it's kind of this beautiful poem. It's like talking about, God, we used to walk so closely together and I saw your footsteps. But then when I was in my hardest, I found there were only one set of footsteps in the sand. And I thought you left me all alone. And then there's this response, no, my child. It was in those times that I carried you and I was holding you, and I was with you. Man, that is so beautiful, just to realize God doesn't leave you in your tough, toughest and most dark spaces. 
He's actually so near to you. And that's what this kind of first chapter brings out immediately. It's like, whoa, God is among his people. And so then now he kind of goes and speaks to this first church of Ephesus. And he tells them this in verse 2. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you haven't grown weary. Okay, verse these first two verses, boom, this is all about, I think you've got everything going for you. The outside seems perfect. You're patient. You know who, who are false kind of teachers, people who lie, they talk about this, but then they're really like that. You've tested all kinds of things. You're, you're just enduring the hardship of life. I'm so proud of your patience and your endurance in this life. And then, though, he gets to verse 4 and he says this, But I have this against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first. Ah, oh, man. You abandoned your first love. Here, God is speaking into the church of Ephesus and saying, You've got all these great things about you, but guess what? The main thing, you've lost. Imagine if someone said, hey, there's this beautiful person that I think you would just love. I was like, okay, tell me a little bit about them. Well, they're very attractive. They're sporty. They've got a great house already. They've got an amazing car, like a beautiful red sports car. Um, they've got a you know interesting life background. Uh, but um, they're really cold. Like temperature-wise? No, no, no. They're just kind of a cold person. Like, like, don't pay attention a lot? No, like, just they're just really cold. They're like kind of mean. Ugh, wait a second. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter anything you said in the beginning. They could be a supermodel. He could be a sports star. But if he's not going to treat me right, I'm not going to... Go out with them. Exactly. That's what Jesus is pointing out here. He's like, dude, guys, you've got everything great on the outside. But the main thing, the first love, the first love for me isn't there. So what do you do when you've got that double standard, that life in secret and that life in public? How do you get right with God and others again? Listen now to the rest of the text here. Verse 5, remember, pay attention to that word, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Remembering is really important because you then kind of reminisce about the good old days. Now, some people like to stay in the good old days. They like to kind of go back in life like, dude, my life just has never been the same since that one thing happened. It's just been awful. But here, Jesus is pointing to it like a good thing. He's like, hey, remember where you fell from. Because remembering from that initial spot was a good place. So you are called to remember who you were. Who you really were in your best of days. And then Jesus speaks to them and he says this. Repent. 
Repentance is such an interesting thought because in our generation, we don't necessarily talk about sin a lot, but but Jesus is really really kind of pointing this out. He's like, hey, listen, remember the good old days. Remember how you used to be when we were in love. I remember a couple who I was counseling and one girl said, we've just fallen out of love. It's so interesting to me when someone says they've fallen out of love. Because they completely misunderstood what love was. Love was never a feeling. It was a choice from the beginning. And it should be a choice all the way to the very end of your life. But she said it this way. She said, we fell out of love and I just don't know if I'm in this anymore. Well, I mean, it happens in life, doesn't it? People go in and out of their feelings. But here Jesus is telling them to remember. Go back to the place where you were but then repent. Repentance means that you weren't doing things right. Repentance in the Greek literally is this awesome word called metanoia. It literally means the turning around. When you repent of who you are in this double standard life, it's literally you've got to turn from that and move towards something. What are they going to move towards? Move towards Jesus. You've got to move towards the source of your healing. People talk about, I know about the love of God. All right, tell me about something more interesting. I think you've forgotten it. If the love of God and the significance of that doesn't excite you, there's a problem. You've gotten way too uh, comfortable with the fact that you're a sinner in need of salvation And Jesus has provided a way out, founded in his sacrifice on your behalf. Whoa, friends, I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect. Not only am I not perfect, but I need someone to help me get right. You know, people talk about, oh man, you got to follow the law, you got to obey the commandments, and this is how you're going to stay on the straight and narrow. No, 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 no. Listen, the commandments are awesome. The commandments are good and holy, but the commandments are like a mirror. You look at the mirror and it points out your need for something. You're dirty in front of the mirror. This law that is perfect and good that God established. David talks about, Lord, your law is righteous and just, but that points me to Jesus. Absolutely. That's the thing. So when uh, Jesus kind of speaks here to the church of Ephesus, he's like, repent, repent to what? Do the turn, the turn that everyone should do, and that is go back to Him, the one who can really help you, the one who can not only bless you with forgiveness for your sin, but give you then the courage and strength and power to overcome. I love how Hebrews says it. We don't have such a high priest that doesn't understand our struggles and temptations, but one who is tempted in all ways as we are and can provide a way out for us. Grace for our need and grace for our sin. Grace, the forgiveness of God, is not only for forgiveness of what you've done, but grace to help you overcome sin. Whoa, that is awesome. That's so important. Okay, so we've talked about remembering those good places, the good times, the space that was right and good. And then we talked about repentance now. And now, this is what he wants them to do. Now, do the works you did at first. 
in essence, this, I'll summarize it like this. Repeat. Repeat what you did when you remembered those good days, those seasons when you were right with the Lord. I think of a great time when I was like on cloud nine spiritually was when I was in college. Wasn't married, didn't have anything serious going on in my life. Just in college, trying to figure out life, understand the world. And that was literally one of those seasons that I look back upon fondly regularly when I was the closest to Jesus. You know what I was doing? I was spending an hour every day praying, reading the Bible, uh, reading great books, and I had this prayer journal. I had over 200 names of people I'd be praying for, and I'd pray through every single name every day. I just sensed such intimacy with God as I was praying for my friends and learning so much about Him. You know, that's the thing that here, you know the steps to get right with God and others in your life. And some of you need to remember the good days you had with those people that you're really struggling with right now. Repent if there's any sin in you with that relationship. Whether it's going too far with that person that you're dating. or Whether it's just harboring a lot of anger and resentment against those people. Or whether it's just you personally struggling with things and You've got to remember who God made you to be, and that is his son and daughter. Repent of the sinful ways that you've been kind of harboring and jump into Jesus, his goodness, his mercy, his grace for your sin and grace to overcome. And then repeat the process. Always remember who you've been created to be in Jesus, his son and his daughter. Live into that reality. Live into the goodness that God has for you. Live into remembering, repenting, and repeating every single day of your life. Blessings to you, my friends. I want to encourage you today. Think about how God can take you to the next level of getting right with Him and others in your life. So take some time right now. Remember the best times that you've had with God. And then repent of potentially where you are right now if you're not in a good place? Is there something holding you back? Are there issues you're dealing with that you've never tackled? And then repeat the process. Go back to those good spaces and do those good things. Spend that time in the Word. Spend that time in prayer. Spend that time in reading great literature, singing music. I love doing that. And just get back to being right with people again. Revelation is such an awesome book. I'm so excited for where we're going. I think you're going to really enjoy this series. Stick with us. Blessings to you. God bless you richly with His grace right now. Take care. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church Podcast. We really are excited for where we're going, and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to lluc.org slash give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there on a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment. It makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.